All right, good afternoon, TLC. It's good to see you guys. Welcome to Sunday service for those at home worshiping with us. Praise God. Uh, we just finished a series last week on uh, the fishers of men, and that was a series that was designed to kind of stir your affection for the heart of reaching out unto people, the heart of actually going into your city, to your family, to your church, um, and being a part of that place where you are restoring these relationships and bringing people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But today, I want to I wanna just um, share with you this, this message of the word hope, okay? Because unless you understand the biblical concept of hope, no matter how much we talk about restoring this and that, you'll still be stuck doing nothing unless you have the true grasp of the biblical concept of hope. I wanted to share with you this, uh, this video. Uh, it's, it's from the show called Doctor Who. Any Doctor Who fans out there, right? I love Doctor Who, right? Um, Doctor, Who. Doctor Who, yeah, exactly, right? So Doctor Who, uh, it's, it's a, it's, it's a sci-fi from the BBC uh, channel, and it pretty much is, it talks about an alien guy who is uh, what we call a time lord. His, he has this ability to travel through time and dimensions and stuff like that, and you're like, what a, nerd PT, like anyways, right? He does this, and what he does is that he brings along friends, and they do, and they go about these time-traveling um, adventures, and they meet famous people throughout history, and they kind of in- interact and engage with them, right? And in this one um, arc of a story, they, they ran into Van Gogh, right, or Van Gogh, right? They ran into Van Gogh, and he was a struggling artist in the, the fields of Provence, right, in, in the fields of France. He was struggling. No one wanted his art. No one thought it was pretty. No one thought it was good. No one thought it was precious. And he just made things, and he just realized he couldn't sell a single piece of, of art. And he was just a depressed man with mental health issues. And eventually, the story, the real story goes, he killed himself, right? But in this um, picture, what ended up happening was the, the, the doctor who took... Um, took Van Gogh on this adventure, and then as kind of like a gift to Van Gogh, he took him to the future, to a museum, right, to see his art. And when he saw it, you can see in his eyes, it was great acting, right, to see in his eyes this really beautiful picture of hope. And that's what I want to convey to you guys today. But I want you guys to see it, because, you know, it, it goes better in media form. So check this out. Sound. Are we? Paris, 2010 AD, and this is the mighty Musée d'Orsay, home to many of the greatest paintings in history. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, ignore that, I've got something more important to show you. Take all your chances while you can. Never know when.
few days ago. I, I asked you about the church and the verse. Oh, yes. Glad to be of help. You were nice about my tie. Yes. And today is another cracker, if I may say so. But I just wondered, between you and me, in a uh, hundred words, where do you think Van Gogh rates in the history of art? Well, um, big question. Um, but to me, Van Gogh is the finest painter of the world. Certainly the most popular, great painter of all time. The most beloved. His command of color, the most magnificent. He transformed the pain of his tormented life into ecstatic beauty. Pain is easy to portray, but to use your passion and pain to portray the ecstasy and joy and magnificence of our world, no one had ever done it before. Perhaps no one ever will again. To my mind, that strange, wild man who roamed the fields of Provence was not only the world's greatest artist, but also one of the greatest men who ever lived. Vincent. Sorry. I'm sorry, is it too much? No. There are tears of joy. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Sorry about the beard. <laughs> That's a good scene, right? That scene, I think, represents the picture of what I would call the Christian hope, right? The Christian hope. Now, if, if do a thought experiment. If, if Van, Gogh, Van Gogh knew that that was his future with certainty, you think he'll take his life? You think he'll stop painting? Right? If he knew that that was his certainty, would he have stopped in what he was doing? And so the question I want to ask you guys is this. Do you understand biblical hope? Do you understand biblical hope? Because if you understand biblical hope, then what comes out of your life is a product, it's, it's, it's a beauty that literally shapes the landscape from which you are around. So let's talk about that today. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 to 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 to 14. The first question I'm going to ask is, why is this Christian hope so crucial to our life? Why is this Christian, Christian hope so crucial to our life? Verse 11 to 14, let me read it for you guys. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 to 14, it says this, In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we will, who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are, God, who are called God's people. To the praise of his glory. Why is the Christian hope so important? Right? Paul said, the, the definition of hope, 
Often when we think about hope, we think of it in terms of uncertainty. If I ask you, like, hey, um, do you think it's going to rain tomorrow? It's like, I hope not, right? You think it's going to rain for our field day? I hope not. It's, a, it, it's, a, it's an uncertainty that we speak about. And that's the English common language, common understanding of the word hope. It is filled with uncertainty. It's, it's wishful, right? But the biblical definition of hope is it's a life-shaping certainty about the future. Living now because you know exactly what will happen in the future. The Christian hope is a life changing certainty about the future. If you knew exactly what was going to happen to you, if Van Gogh knew exactly what would happen to him, it would shape the way he lived in that moment, would it not? If you hold on to the hope that you have in Jesus Christ of what he promised to you in his word, then it should come to say that your life right now should be changed and shaped directly by that hope. It makes sense, right? See, a lot of us, we still go through the motion of life because of this one issue. We don't really grasp the hope in Jesus. We get a vague understanding of it. We go through the motion of it. We might feel an an, an existential uh, compassion for it or feeling about it. But we have not truly grasped it. Because if you know that this is what's going to happen tomorrow... You will go through this day in regards of all the things that goes on around you. All right? It's like this. Let me give you an illustration. This is a great illustration for all you workers out there. Imagine person A and person B. Okay? You give person A and person B the same job, same room, same tools, same rules. Okay? To person A, you say at the end of the year, you will get 10000 for all your work. To person B... You say at the end of the year, you will be given $1 billion for your work. Dollars, okay? $1 billion, okay? Person A, person B, same job, same tools, same rules. Person A, end of the year, 365 days, 52 weeks, you will be given 10 k Person B, you will be given $1 billion. How would the response of these two people be? Is it the same job? It's not, right? It's not, I mean, it's, it's, you're doing the same thing, but all of a sudden it's not the same job anymore. How you do your job, how you process your job depends on what you believe about the future, right? What you do now depends fully on what you believe the future will look like. And so for person A, you can see him doing what? Complaining how tedious the job is. Complaining about how boring, how unbearable it is because of the uncertainty of his future. But person B, you think he would be complaining about the boringness of his job? He'd probably be like, it ain't too bad, right? At the end of the day, I'm getting home $1 billion, right? That's nuts. The person B responds with biblical hope. Does that make sense? If you understand biblical hope, it should literally change the way in which you live right now. Person B responded in hope because they had certainty of his future. Person A complained, whined, and was tedious about what was going on in their life because their future seemed very dismal. And so here's the problem. You and I are controlled 
by how we live now based on what we think about our future. You know that, right? You live now based on how you think about your future. If you think about your future like this, unless I pass this school, my life is over, right? Unless I graduate from this program, my life is over. So what does your life now look like? You are a slave to the program. You must not fail it. You must not mess up, right? If your future is talking about, I must get this job, this six-figure salary, no matter what, if that's the set in the future that you think you have, then what happens now? You live your life being consumed by everything it takes to get there. And you will sell your soul to get there. You will go through any ups and downs to get there. You will face any struggle, lose all your friends, even family, just to get there. You follow? How you live now is always based on the hope of what you have in the future. So if your future hope is not certain. What does that tell you about the way you live now? You're running in circles. But the biblical hope tells us what? It tells us if we understand our ultimate future state, we're able to live in this place at this moment well. We can survive it. We can navigate it. Why is this hope so crucial? Why is this hope so important? Why is Christian hope so important for the living person? Because it affects everything you do now. Ask yourself the question, why do you do what you do now? What are you basing what you do now upon? What is your hope? Is it an uncertainty or is the certainty of Jesus? Right? You see, without the Christian hope, the only logical conclusion you have in life is this. Okay, if you're a secular person, the only logical conclusion you have in life, if you're honest, the only logical conclusion you have as a secular person is that the world is going to end, the suns will burn out one day, all things will fade away, and everything in this world, the story of humanity will be just as meaningless as the story of the primordial soup that started all of human life. It will have no purpose. It will have no meaning. It will have no direction. It will be utterly, utterly meaningless. Right? If you are a person without hope, if you're honest, that's the way you should be thinking. Okay, But... The majority of the people around us, the average person, don't have a belief in ultimate life. They don't have a belief in an ultimate end. They would say, I don't know if there's a God, and if I die, that's it. I don't believe that there's an afterlife for me. Okay? That's the average 21st century person. But this same person would say what? I believe in life. I believe in right and wrong. I believe that we should work for justice. Do you see what happened there? That is what we call an inconsistency. You don't believe in there's a God. You don't think there's an afterlife. You don't think there's anything going on. But yet somehow in your life right now, you think that you should live for right and wrong, for justice, and for the sake of life. See, even if you don't admit the absolute inconsistency of, of saying such a thing, even if intellectually you choose to be dishonest and you refuse to see how completely inconsistent you are by saying that, ultimately this will happen. The reality 
of what you believe in, the ultimate future, will begin to sink in. It will begin to sink in. It will begin to penetrate your heart, and there will be a weariness and a meaninglessness to your heart. And you won't even know why. There will be a grudgingness to life. There will be emotion that you go through. There will be a cycle of just day-to-day activities. Nothing new, nothing more, nothing left. And it will just plague you in your life. And you just don't know why you're feeling like this. You don't know why this is going on in your life. You don't know why you find yourself absolutely feeling tired, weary, and empty. And the answer is this. It's because you do not have hope. You do not have hope. Why is the Christian hope so important for life? Because in the absolute future, it will dictate how you live now. Because of the certainty of what's to come, the ultimate future, it will dictate how you live now. It will dictate it in such a way that you will go through whatever it is that you go through. That's why a Christian with hope, a Christian with hope can go through, realize that their life is not going to be perfect. Life is not going to be great. Life is not going to work out the way they want it to work out. Life is not going to be always so sunshine. And even if you're following after God, you know that it's not going to always be great. But you're able to endure anything because you have hope. Just like person A, person B. No matter how tedious, boring, or whatever the job is, person B is going to do what? Go through it because they have hope. They can get through it. They can get through the mundane. They can get through the ups and downs. They can get through all things because of the ultimate reality of what is to come. Do you have that hope? Let's be honest. Because oftentimes we, we, we talk about Christianity. We talk about relationship with God. We talk about kingdom building. We talk about gospel preaching. We talked about discipleship making. But do you actually have that hope? Is that hope certain in your life? Because if that hope was a certainty of your life, then what would dictate at this moment is how you conduct your life. Right? The ultimate certainness affects everything you do now. Do you have that? Or do you find yourself waking up, brushing your teeth, going to work, having lunch, finishing work, driving home through traffic, sitting at home, watching Netflix, have a drink, take a nap, start all over. Nothing wrong with that, by the way, right? That mundane, tedious cycle. As long as you have what? If I say hope. But if there is no hope, that begins to do what to you? It begins to wear you down. It begins to make you question, what am I doing with my life? It begins to ask, it begs the question, where am I going? And you live for moments, immediacy of simple pleasure, rather than the ability to stand firm and push forward for the bigger goals. Do you have hope? 
the biblical hope, the certainty. Now, what is this hope? What do we hope in? Okay, there was a, there was, there was, there was a YouTube video I saw. It was, was kind of hilarious, right? There was, there was, it, was, it was a test to see how much people love their dogs. So this guy had a suitcase, I think with $10,000, $50,000. I can't remember how much it was, but $50,000. Let's say a bigger number, a number to count. And he would be at a dog park. And as they're walking by, he would be like, would you sell your dog? Right? And he said, no. How about for 10000 And, he, you know, he'd flip out one thing, 10000 No, never. And he goes like, how about for 50000 Right? And you know what's crazy? Without a pause, every single owner would be like, no, no, priceless. Never sell my dog. But you know what I was thinking when I was watching it? Sell the dog. Sell the dog. Like, what is wrong with these people, right? Sell the dang dog. And then, you know, my wife was like, you're, because you're cold-hearted. I'm like, it's a dog, mama, right? It's like, but it's precious to them. And I'm like, would you sell your son? I said, honey, first of all, you don't compare a dog to a child. It doesn't work that way. But I get, I get where you're coming at, right? If it's precious to you, no amount of money is worth it, right? And do you know what the Bible says about you? Look at verse 14. Holy Spirit given to you as a promise, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Do you know what that means? Right? That those who believe in God are his possession. Another word for that is his treasure. It means that you are priceless to God. Absolutely priceless to God. The God... The God of the universe who looks at you, the God of the universe who owns galaxies, who makes stars, right, who, who brings wealth, considers you, those who are included in Jesus Christ, his treasure, his possession. When he looks at you, he feels rich. When he looks at you, you are considered absolutely priceless to him. That's how much he values you. That's how much he values you, Okay? And that's what, that's what the hope we have. We have this personal hope. We have this personal hope. Because if God right now values you like that, think about this. I want you, I want you to really think about this. If God is truly who he says he is, the God of the universe who spoke and things came into being, if this God who took the cross, who endured the depth of pain, who endured the infinite price of separation, cosmic pain, in order to have you, how unbelievable will it be when you actually see him face to face? That's how much he values you. That's how important you are to him. That no one, if the devil asks, what will you sell him for? He says, priceless. I would give even my son for them. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? But here's my, here's my question from that. If that is your worth, if that is your value, right? If you die right now, if you die right now, would it be awkward for you if you met Jesus at this moment? Would it be an awkward conversation for you? Like, because you haven't talked to him for like ever actually? And you met him and you're like, oh, hey, 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 Jesus. I didn't think I was going to get here, so, um, <laughs> hi, how you doing, you know? Wouldn't it be an awkward, 
See, if you know the absolute value, certainty of what he thinks about you, the absolute certainty of where you're going, what should change right now? At least in your spiritual life, there should be some sort of relationship that you're building with this person who values you more than heaven itself, who considers you his prized possession, his treasure, right? Shouldn't that affect the way you want to read what he has to say to you, right? If you, if you know that that's someone who values you that much, wouldn't it affect the way you, you, you start talking about him to people? Wouldn't that affect the way you begin to talk to him, actually? And so here we are. We talk about the Christian life. We talk about how I am a believer because I know Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. I know exactly who he is, but I do not have a relationship with God. Do you know what that tells me? You don't have an understanding of the hope that is in you, that is for you. Because if there's an understanding of the hope that's to come, what we should see in this life, though struggling, though difficult, is a push and a wanting to know who he is, to speak of him, to speak with him, to converse with him, to be in his presence. Is that you? Do you have that personal hope? Or do you worship Jesus in name only? I'm asking you this question because I want you guys to be honest with your life. I don't want you guys to kind of go through the motion of this and, and you know, thinking that I led you astray all these years. I want you to be honest. Because anyone can say they have, they believe in Jesus Christ, they believe in God, the devils and the demons believe in God, and they shudder, the Bible says, right? The real question I want to ask is, if you truly believe he values you, if you truly believe of your ultimate end, then why are you running in circles today? Why are you just continually running the narrative of the culture around you? Going from one stage of life to the next stage of life. Giving it names like adulting now, or now like I'm a grandparent, whatever, right? Going from a boy to a guy to a man, back to a guy, down to a boy, right? Why are we continually stuck in these stages of life? I think the only answer that's honest is maybe I don't have the hope as much as I think I do. Now, if you don't believe that there is a God, this is... Very simple answer. I'm sorry. There's, there's nothing else for this message for you. You know, but I'm telling you. If there is no God for you, if you're out there and you're like, I really don't know. I feel like you are lying to yourself. Right? Because you live as if there's a God. You call, you, you call upon the rights for justice and equality around you, which is a concept that can only be given if there's a grounding of God in there. You can't fight for equality if you don't realize that God was the one who created all men in his image. What grounds do you have for justice and equality? What are we hoping? We have a personal hope. We have a personal hope that there's a God who values you, who treasures you, who calls you his possession, where you are priceless before him. Priceless, guys. So not only do we have a personal hope, we have a material hope. 
it means that this right here is not going to last. On the last day, the day of the Lord, the love and grace and power of God will fall on us in such a way where it will transform, cosmically blinding us in such a way where it will redeem our bodies, redeem who we are, and all things will be made new. The Bible says death will be given to life, disease-free, flaw-free. Life will envelop the whole entire material world. And I know I speak of this as if it's some sort of like wishful dream, wishful thinking, right? But this is the word of which God says. The Bible says in Romans that the, all of creation waits and groans in anticipation for the sons of God to be revealed. All of nature groans and waits for the day when God reveals himself and reveals who you truly are before the whole universe. His children, his possession, his treasure. Not broken, flawed bodies, disease-ridden, and seeing death. But the glories of the sons of God, the sons and daughters of God. Glory in such a way where, the, where you will sense and feel the glory of the mountains, the ocean, singing and praising. The life and the things around you will actually, you would feel life. Because that's your destiny. The Bible says you have a hope, not just in the personal hope that God values you, but you have a material hope that this right here will not be the end, that there is something more. That's how we as believers can face death and look death in the eye and not lose ourselves. That we would have a certainty and a strength to endure even through the sadness of death. That hope is not given to everybody. Sometimes when someone dies in the secular world, they lose, all, they lose all mindset. Everything I put my hope in, I put it in my family, I put it in my wife, I put it in my children. And it was taken away. But the Christian hope tells us what? We have a personal hope and a material hope. That you are valued, you are treasured, that you are priceless before the eyes of God in Jesus Christ. And even more than that, there is the promise of material hope. Material hope is that this will not be the end for you. You are a seed waiting to be revealed as the tree. Do you realize that? Does that stir your affection? Does that stir an excitement? Does that make you realize, you know what? I should really think about how I live my life today. I should really think about the choices I make today. I should really think about building this relationship with God that I say I have today. So one, why is this hope so crucial and so important? It changes the way you live now. But what does this hope, what do we hope in? You hope in a personal hope and a material hope. And the last question is this. How does this hope that you have, personal material, affect the way you live? How does this, how does this hope affect you? Because I, I keep telling you that it should change the way you live, right? You should, you should think about the way you be living, but how does it do that? How does this hope affect you? Personally, to know the reality that God looks at you and feels rich because he has you, just like a Patron of the arts would feel absolutely rich if they had a Van Gogh sitting in their room. Worth millions, but would find it priceless and would not sell it for anything in the world. Because that's how beautiful and magnificent it is to them. In the same way, God looks at you as if you are the masterpiece, his masterpiece, and would not sell you for anything. 
that he values you, that you are little. How does this affect you? It literally frees you from the curse of your, our modern day situation, or at least our age range, some of our age, majority of our age range, which is the curse of chasing after self-justification. If you don't understand the hope you have personally, your value in Jesus Christ, who you are in the eyes of God, you will be caught up over and over and over in this broken cycle of self-justification. The need to chase. Chase after a relationship because one relationship wasn't good enough, so I got to chase after the other. Vanity, the chase after the self of to be justified based on how I look based on what I can show the world, based on how I can feel good about my, my image to the world around me. You self-justify your worth and your value based on that. Or you self-justify your worth and your value based on whoever it is that you're with. That as long as I have love, as long as I have somebody, then I will feel worth and value. Or you self-justify based on your job and your career. You begin to always question, why am I always behind my friends? Why can't I get ahead? Why can't I meet them where they're at? Why can't I have a house? Why can't I buy my, why can't I put a deposit on a house? Why is California so expensive that I have to go to Ohio? Why do I have all these things I have to go through in my life, right? Why? You know? You chase, you chase for worth and value when you don't realize what you have. And you realize something? All these things that you chase after can sink you at any moment, right? That person that you so, says love you so much can leave you at any moment, cheat on you. The career that you would die and give your life for, you can get fired from it at any moment. The vanity in which you work tirelessly in the gym for, right, can go away in a second once you hit a disease and get cancer. You chase after all these things that can sink you because all you wanted is to justify in such a way that you feel worth and value. But if, listen church, if you have the ultimate hope and what God says of you, that you are my treasured possession. You are priceless to me. So treasured to me that I will give my son for you. I will give my son just to purchase you. That's how far I will go to have you. That's how rich I feel when you are with me. That's how priceless you are. If you know that worth and that value that you have in Jesus Christ, you're free from the chase. You can work and not be enslaved to your work. You can love and not be enslaved to your spouse. You can be rich and not be enslaved to your money. You can be poor and not feel worthless because of your position. You could be a little bit overweight and not look, feel bad about yourself. I mean, you, you should work out and be healthy, but you know, 
but you won't look and think that I'm a nobody. If the personal hope sinks deeply in your heart, you become an unsinkable person. You see that? You see it? If the personal hope, the absolute certainty of who Jesus says you are in him, sinks deep in your heart, church, you're not going to chase. But also, this hope affects the way you live now because a material hope, okay? See, in conservative philosophy, it's like this. Conservative philosophy is cool with individual virtue, your character, your integrity, but gets nervous when you talk about oppression and injustice of the whole mass, right? That's conservative philosophy. Liberal philosophy tells you, um, loves to talk about how you to care about everybody, take care of the, those around you, those who are um, oppressed, to make the world a better place. Love talking about that, but the idea of calling everyone to repentance in Jesus Christ becomes a very crude and very awkward conversation. Right? If you are informed by Christian hope and not worldly ideology, the life you live will be so different because Christian hope combines things that nothing else does. Christian hope combines things for the material hope that not, no other ideology does. It's not an either-or process here. We live in a world that's really either-or. The Christian hope gives us this beauty of both and. A community that's shaped by Christian hope will call everyone to faith in Christ Jesus. Right? If you are informed by Christian hope, you live a life that will call people to Christ Jesus. You know, yesterday I went to a wedding. You know what the party favor was? I was really blessed by this, all right? I was a heathen. My party favor was a bottle opener, right, for, you know, beers and stuff, right? Their party favor was a gospel track, you know? Think about this. About 300 people at the wedding, they preached the gospel to 300 people. If I did the math, we barely hit about 80 last year as a corporate group, you know? If your Christian hope is there, First and foremost, you will have no problem calling everyone to faith in Christ Jesus, to repent. You have no problem engaging that because you know that that is the best thing you can ever offer anybody. Better than money, better than wealth, better than it is the hope in Jesus Christ. But at the same time, as you call people to repentance, you look to your neighbors and say, I'm going to make this city a great place to live in for you. As you're calling them to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, you're also saying, I'm going to sacrifice for the city to make it a great place for you. I'm going to give my time, my money, and my energy to make the city a great place to live, whether you believe as I do or not. See, the Christian hope brings the two nuances together. Worldly ideology says either you're going to be this or you're going to be this. Either you're going to be individual, doing these things, virtue and integrity, great, or you're going to be corporate, loving the world, loving the thing, but you can't do both. The Christian hope comes in and says, no, I'm going to call you to virtue, integrity, and life in Jesus Christ. And at the same time, if you don't want to believe me, that's okay, because I will still serve you. I will sacrifice. I will give my energy, my time to bless my city, my town, my neighborhood, my people. You see that? That is, the Christ that is how the Christian hope affects 
you. That's the power of this hope. It affects you personally because one, it stops, cha- it stops getting you to the place where you're constantly cha- chasing after other things because you know your worth and your value. But two, it affects the way you deal with people. You're not afraid to call them into repentance of Jesus Christ. It's not awkward to you to tell about a hope and a gift that you can give to them that will save them, that will bless them, that will transform them. At the same time, even if they disagree with you, even if they push back on you, you are still there with the Christian hope saying, I'm still going to seek for the good of this city. I'm still going to help with the schools. I'm still going to help with the homeless problem. I'm still going to help with the injustices. I'm still going to help with the immigrant problem. I'm still going to be here to give my time, my energy for this place, whether you believe me or believe as I do or not. That's what the Christian hope does. And that's what the Christian hope affects. You guys get that? It helps challenge who you are. It gives you a sense of worth and value. Not just, a, not, just a, not just a wishful sense, but a certain sense. You are certain of your worth and your value. See, a lot of you guys, you dangle around, you run around, you try to justify yourself because you don't have a sense of your own personal worth and value. Your own personal worth and value is, is, is based on whatever you think you can self-justify through this world, whether it's your work, whether it's your looks, whether it's your career, whether it's the amount of money you have or the jobs you possess. Your worth and value is based on everything else that is sinkable. But if you, if you are a brother or a sister who has the Christian hope, you are solid in your walk in life. That life can hit you in every direction, whether it lifts you up or knocks you down. You are not deterred by it because you have the hope of the certainty of what God sees and, 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 and value, value you as. But even more than that, it transforms the way you live with the people around you. All right? So lastly, here's this. How does this truth sink into our hearts? How does this truth sink into our hearts? When you begin to see the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus came into the world. The world did not receive him. He was excluded from his own people. He was without God at the end of his life. And on the, cro- and on the cross, without hope at the end of his life, you know what he said? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The certainty, the worth, and the value that was always his at the cross was completely taken away. To such a point where he cried out, why have you forsaken me? And why was that? He was excluded so that you can be brought in. That is how this truth sinks into your heart. This is how the hope sinks into your heart. That Jesus Christ was excluded from the presence of the Father so that you can be brought in. He was without God so you can have God forever. And because of Jesus, you are seen by God as precious, as valuable, as worthy. It begins and ends with Jesus, church. Do you have that? Do you have him? Or do you finding your life 
miserable. You don't want to say it because you're just hoping, wishing for the best in the future. Thinking that maybe once I get that job, things will be great. Or once I get that boyfriend, things might be working out. Or once I get the career or the, or the money or I pay off my debts, then it will be working out. Or do you have a hope that whether you're up or you're down, you are still worthy because of who he says you are not what you do for your own self. So that's my prayer for you guys today. I pray that we will live a life today in such a way that it reflects the actual immediate hope that we have in him. Let's pray.